Welcome to the Daily DDT Podcast, part of the Fan Sided Podcast Network. Here's your host, Jaden Becker. A new tagline announced for WWE. Announced teams shifted for Raw, SmackDown, and 205 Live, and I take you through the best commentary teams in all pro wrestling today. I'm Jaden Becker, and this is the Daily DDT Podcast. You can catch this podcast on all your favorite platforms for your morning drive, lunch break, or whenever you need your wrestling fix. Make sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts so you never miss an episode. And remember, you can ask your smart device to play the Daily DDT Podcast. If you like content like this, check out our writers at DailyDDT.com. And if you want to hear more from me, give me a follow on Twitter and Instagram at Jaden Becker TV. Last night was the Raw after WrestleMania, and I am back in Ithaca, New York. Uh, previously, I was back in Queens, New York, and that's why you heard a lot of those airplanes flying overhead and the cars uh, driving across the street because uh, I live next to a highway and I'm right next to LaGuardia Airport. So that's what you're going to get. A lot of editing I had to run through with that, but now in Ithaca, New York, not a lot of airplanes flying overhead, but maybe a couple door slams here or there as I am back in a dorm room, if you will. But uh, you know, that that's the battle we have to fight to get through this podcast, but it is what it is. Uh, last night was Raw after WrestleMania, but before we get into that, let's check out our news. A new WWE tagline. WWE has officially released their new signature intro for programming that you see before every pay-per-view, you see before every show, before every Raw, SmackDown, NXT, 205, whatever. Uh, you know, they always had that same intro before every every show and uh, it used to read then now forever and now the new tagline reads then now together forever uh, is the new tagline being used to play off of the return of fans in the seats at wrestlemania 37 uh, previously as i mentioned then now forever uh, wwe explained the new tagline on twitter writing wwe's new signature intro is all about bringing the wwe universe back together which is what we can all wish for especially after a relatively successful wrestlemania 37 uh, relatively uh, from the event standpoint with fans being in the seats uh, obviously some covid issues that popped up online and everything like that uh, i don't even want to give those guys attention so uh, what i will say is that uh, with fans in, in wrestling is better with fans in the stadium and that 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 is just a fact of life and uh, I'm happy to see that, that there's going to be a future attempt at it, at least somewhere down the line. Right now, WWE in the Thunderdome at the Yingling Center in the University of South Florida. So uh, I will go into a little bit more in depth of how I thought that that all went down with the Thunderdome and how the new uh, arrangement looks as well a little bit later on in this podcast. New announced team scheduled for Raw and SmackDown and also for 205 Live. WWE named Don Verk as the new play-by-play voice for Monday Night Raw. He made his debut last night. Verk has previously worked for ESPN and MLB Network. Tom Phillips, the previous voice of WWE Monday Night Raw, has moved to 205 Live. And it's also special projects for Peacock, Michael Cole, is likely to remain the SmackDown play-by-play voice, though it remains to be seen whether Graves will return to uh, SmackDown as well, as Byron Saxton and Corey Graves are the color commentary team for Adon Verk on Monday Night Raw. So right now, as it stands, Michael Cole is all by his his lonesome, so no one to correct him if uh, someone doesn't kick out or not at the main event of WrestleMania. No one to alert him there uh, now at this point, but uh, <laughs> later on this podcast, as I mentioned, I'll go into the best commentary teams in pro wrestling today, and a little bit of a hint, it's sort of unknown as it currently stands where it's, it is with Raw and SmackDown, given the fact that SmackDown doesn't have a colored commentator at the moment, so we'll, we'll see where that all goes. 
We're going to get right into our show review for last night's Monday Night Raw. But before we get into that, let us thank our sponsor, Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. They obsess over their technology developments to provide you the best tools for your grooming experience. Manscaped is trusted by over 2 million men worldwide. Manscaped has created the best ball hair trimmer ever, the Lawn Mower 3.0. Their third-generation trimmer features a cutting-edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin-safe technology. I now feel confident shaving my boys. We have an exclusive offer for my listeners, 20% off plus free shipping with the code FANSIDED20 at manscaped.com. That is FANSIDED20, all caps at manscaped.com at checkout. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. The Raw after WrestleMania, usually the most exciting Raw in all the calendar year, especially when there's fans in the seats, obviously not in in this sense, given that we're still in the COVID era of professional wrestling. Uh, But at a new Thunderdome, this one moving from Tropicana Field, given that the Tampa Bay Rays have to play baseball there. So (laughs) that that sort of gets in the way of uh, putting a Thunderdome right in the middle of the field. So uh, moving over to the University of South Florida and the Yingling Center, putting the Thunderdome in uh, that arena. And uh, a lot smaller, obviously, than Tropicana. Tropicana, obviously, a huge baseball field, and now moving into more of a a, a basketball uh, arena. And moving into that now standpoint, it's a lot smaller. It's like you're wrestling in a matchbox. The new entranceway is a little bit different. There's fans, uh, screens of fans on both sides, which is is a nice dynamic. But I felt like everything was so cramped and everything's a little bit too small for me and my liking. Uh, I think they did a good job putting it all together. But it still feels a little bit too small. If they can add more screens that are on, not all the way through, but are on the side of the hard cam. So when the camera does move, I don't want to see all that black area of just nothing there, of emptiness, of just nothing. You know, the, it's like you're in the Thunderdome and then there's a void of an, an abyss of nothing there over on the side. If they can continue to bring those screens out a little bit more, I would appreciate it. But I don't know if that's even a physical capability in how small of a restriction area they are in uh, the University of South Florida. And the backstage area looked fun too. Uh, not as fun as Tampa Bay as given that it's such a huge stadium uh, compared to what the Yingling Center is. Uh, the, the backstage area looked fun. I think they're going to be able to make some uh, dynamic work out of that. To open up the show, Bobby Lashley versus Riddle. Uh, Riddle annoying his way into a match versus Bobby Lashley backstage. Why, I ask? Uh, I'm not really that sure. I guess this is the loser's award for losing his United States Championship at WrestleMania against Sheamus. You know, reports coming out saying that Riddle wasn't even supposed to be the champion in the first place, given the fact that he was the only one really at the time that had the opportunity placed in front of him, given that Morrison was going to be the one to take it off of Lashley. Keith Lee was supposed to be the one, but sent down to the Performance Center once again for, and hasn't been featured on TV for quite some time. And now the only one left standing was uh, Riddle. So there you go, United States Championship run and having it being taken off of him at WrestleMania uh, makes sense, and uh, especially getting taken off him by Sheamus. Sheamus, the one that's really earned this uh, United States Championship run, given all the matches he had with McIntyre. But back to Monday Night Raw, Bobby Lashley versus Riddle. As I mentioned, new play-by-play guy, Adon Verk. Commentary a little sloppy early on. I'm going to get into my overall thought of Adon Verk at the end of this Raw review and then more into everything else after the break. But it was a little sloppy early on, but you can tell he he started getting into the rhythm things as things uh, rolled on throughout the night. Lastly, attacks Riddle prior to the match. Riddle lip still busted from WrestleMania and the bro kick from Sheamus. Lashley dominant, tossing Riddle 
all over the ring and over the, the barricade at that. Riddle able to find his way back into the ring. And uh, Riddle even trying to go for a floating bro, but is caught in the hurt lock, allowing Bobby Lashley to win the match. The match was a little long, and I uh, didn't really take much mo notes in this match because it was a, a slow-paced match. It was Lashley just really dominating throughout. And uh, just showing that Bobby Lashley, once again, even the night, two nights after WrestleMania, he can still beat anybody up. So he was able to beat up on, on Riddle. And uh, I'm, I'm a little curious on what's next for Riddle, as I mentioned in the uh, after WrestleMania, after he lost his United States Championship. Hey, they gave him an opportunity against Lashley, so at least he's headed in some type of right direction. But I'm still a little curious on what's going to be next for him, uh, given the fact that uh, we don't really know what, what his next path is, given that he's no longer United States Champion, uh, given the fact that he's been used as a comedic relief role throughout most of Monday Night Raw. Uh, given the fact that he he's been messing up on promos backstage, I'm still gonna hang that uh, albatross around his neck because that was really really bad. So uh, we'll see what happens next with Riddle, but I'm hoping for his stake he stays relevant. Next match: Cedric Alexander versus Shelton Benjamin versus the Viking Raiders. Welcome back. Viking Raiders, Eric and Ivar uh, making their return to WWE television after Ivar uh, injured uh, his his uh, collarbone in a dive to the outside over the summer. Finally, finally finding his way back to Monday Night Raw and now uh, hopefully a type of boost to the Raw Tag Team division that it desperately, desperately, desperately needs. And uh, the Viking Raiders definitely could be that. Uh, Cedric Alexander and Shelton Benjamin. Some reports have been flying around around the dirt sheets. You know how much I hate talking about dirt sheets. But floating around that Vince McMahon is done with Cedric Alexander and Shelton Benjamin. He has nothing really left for them. Uh, given the fact that uh, now they're split away from the Hurt Business. I thought this was the opposite of what the Hurt Business was supposed to accomplish. Yes, oh, they got that great picture of all of them holding the championships at the same time. But does that picture really uh, equal what it means to be with uh, having some promotion, having some, some build based off of you now splitting away from this group. I guess not, yeah, which is a shame because I thought that was the end goal of all this, not just to get Lashley over in a WWE championship run, but to get at least Cedric Alexander over as he's the young guy in this spot. If Shelton Benjamin goes to the wayside, yeah, so be it. You know, he's been around the block a couple times. Cedric Alexander's pretty new, so that that's what kind of hurts for me. Eric struggling early on as the ring is cut in half on him uh, and the Viking Raiders. Ivar dominates on a hot tag, a Viking experience. Uh, and I'm glad the Viking Raiders are back as they win off the Viking experience. Uh, once again, I made I just had to write in the notes here. You know, when someone's new to professional wrestling like Adam Verk is, he messed up calling... Uh, the Viking Raiders, the Viking experience, which is their finishing move. It happens. It happens. Hey, it happens. You know, yes, people complain like, oh, this is so bad. What is this guy doing here? It's so bad. You know, he wasn't really doing that even that bad of a job. It's just a little bit different than what we're used to. And it, it's just it was a shame that people were so mad that it's happened before. Tom Phillips has called him the Viking experience before. You know, Ronaldo used to call him the Viking experience before. It happens. It happens. It, it, it's not It's not the end of the world. You know, honestly, it's close enough. Hey, for, for, I, that's all I got to say. Charlotte Flair makes a return to WWE television as well in our next segment with a promo as she's mad that she wasn't welcomed at WrestleMania, saying that all the reasons why she wasn't there wasn't her fault. I was waiting for her to talk about Andrade, but she doesn't, uh, funny enough. Uh, gives props to Rhea Ripley for finding her way into WrestleMania being the opportunist that uh, she knows Ripley could be. Flair then says a great quote here. She doesn't steal opportunities away from other people. She is 
the opportunity. She is the reason why, which I thought was a fantastic, fantastic quote because she even went on to say, uh, you think I steal spots from your favorite uh, people, your favorite talent uh, in the the wall, the in, the in the women's division? Well, she is the opportunity. She is the reason why they even get these opportunities. So I thought that was a great, great promo there from Charlotte Flair. And welcome back as well. I missed you for a little bit, and I was hoping to see you at Mania, but I guess not. Get to see get to see you at the Raw after WrestleMania. Oscar versus Rhea Ripley for the Raw Women's Championship. This is a rematch from. Uh, WrestleMania and with Rhea Ripley now the champion instead of Asuka. Ripley tossing Asuka around the ring early on. Ripley with no fear sending Asuka to the outside. Asuka with burst of offense uh, to be shut down by Ripley. Asuka going for the Asuka lock but thrown into the turnbuckle as action falls outside. Charlotte Flair returns once again and attacks uh, both Asuka and Ripley turning heel in the process uh, as the 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 booze from the Thunderdome, uh, which I'm sure probably would have been booze in real life, possibly, it, with uh, fans in attendance. Uh, well, we have the return of Heel Flair, confirmed here. This is a confirmed heel turn. And uh, I love it, because Charlotte Flair is better as a heel than she is as a babyface. I think that's a fact of life that everyone can accept, knowing that who Charlotte Flair's father is is the greatest heel of all time, and Ric Flair, yeah, I think the daughter could be pretty good as a heel as well. And I think that all works out perfectly for her, as now she spent some time away had a tough time finding a transition into a heel turn almost even looked like Asuka was making a heel turn at one point and now it's like all right Charlotte's a fl- uh, Charlotte plays a heel let's uh let's just let's just keep it at that and move on Alexa Bliss's playground uh, she talked about why she did what she did at Wrestlemania costing the fiend the match uh, she accepted the darkness she said by the fiend and then realized that she can do everything that the fiend can do on her own believes the fiend was standing in her way and says that she's unlocked something truly evil and has a nude creepy doll to prove it named Lily uh, great explanation but this, the match at Mania definitely should have been different and, and it should have been a definitive ending to Orton and and Orton and, and the Fiend. That's why I feel like it's kind of lackluster. We spent six months. You know how long have we been waiting? How many months have we been waiting to see the the pinnacle of all this? You know, we we saw the fir- the Fiend be be burned alive at, at TLC. You know, we see like literally lit on fire, and now you finally get the return of the Fiend. And for it to end in the way it did, it was so lackluster. It's WrestleMania, for Pete's sake. It, it was supposed to be the pinnacle and supposed to be the ending of what we all expected, but we never got that. We never got that. And that that's what what's bothering me the most is that we never got the cherry on top that we were supposed to get or, or the ending to, to this feud between Orton and The Fiend. And I guess it's over now and just have to swallow it and accept it as that. But we never really got it, which hurts. But Alexa Bliss is going to move on and do her own thing. Hopefully she gets back in ring and starts uh, competing for, for, for titles at this. Uh, maybe not even for titles, but just competing uh, to get into actual feuds with other female wrestlers at this point. Because for her to do continue to do these promos, yes, they're fun. I think promo work with Bray Wyatt and everything like that is always fantastic. But uh, I, want, I want her back in ring. Miz TV with special guest Maurice, Miz's wife. And also former WWE superstar and 
uh, diva at the time and and a great talent as well, Maurice. On Ms. TV, to promote the premiere of the new season of Ms. and Mrs., Ms. says that he's the reason for the success of Bad Bunny. Damian Priest enters and reminds who was the victor of the match at WrestleMania, which was Damian Priest and Bad Bunny. And uh, the he- and Miz making a good point, saying that the headlines of WrestleMania was not talking about Damian Priest, it was talking about Bad Bunny, which is a pretty good point, because the point of all this, I thought, in my head, was to get uh, Damian Priest over a future down the line, and especially at WrestleMania. But no, it got Bad Bunny over as anything else, and I really can't blame him for, for it. He lived his dream to the absolute fullest, and I give him all the credit in the world. A handicap match is set between Damian Priest and Miz and Morrison. Uh, Miz and Morrison dominate early on. Priest picks up the pace, leading uh, to a huge choke slam. Priest takes out Miz and Morrison with a splash to the outside. Maurice distracts Priest, allowing for a roll-up, allowing for Miz and Morrison to pick up the win. The Miz leaves with his pants around his ankles uh, and uh, to protect uh, Miz and Morrison in this case. Uh, and from a storyline perspective, yeah, I guess it makes sense. You know, the the as I, you know, you go go by my rule of thumb. You go by my rules. A, a established tag team should always beat uh, a non-established tag team, or even at that, a, a singles competitor. At that, they should definitely be able to beat a one person, if especially since they're established tag team. But I kind of wish the win went to Priest here, because now he gets the loss here. He doesn't really get the attention he sort of warranted at WrestleMania. So I'm hoping for something more here from Damian Priest down the line these next few weeks for Monday Night Raw. We have five weeks till Backlash. What should I call it? WrestleMania Backlash as they're dubbing it now. We have a couple weeks away. So we definitely can see some more development for Damian Priest. But he needs to get some wins here. Because, yeah, he did have a good winning streak on his way to WrestleMania and did win his match at WrestleMania. But people are talking about Bad Bunny and not Damian Priest, which is a little bit of a problem. Uh, given the fact that Bad Bunny is gone and Damian Priest is still here and we still need to be able to talk about somebody and it should be Priest given that he's the new guy on the block and it should be in contention for the next United States Championship spot in my head. I think that he would be a perfect fit to at least be in that type of running against Sheamus. But first, let him get past the run with Miz and Morrison, start looking at Sheamus, possibly at Money in the Bank. Next match, Dana Brooke and Mandy Rose versus Nia Jax and Shayna Baszler. This match was made earlier on in the night as Nia Jax and Shayna Baszler were making fun of Mandy Rose falling at WrestleMania on her way down to the ring. Of course, the entrance ramp was very slippery and you're wearing wrestling wrestling boots are slippery. But hey, it's a funny moment and a a moment that we're not going to forget. And at WrestleMania, that was pretty good. And night one, that was pretty good as well. So it's a fun moment. Jax intentionally trips on her way into the ring, which I thought was a little dumb. And we'll continue to get more dumb as we continue through this match. Rose enters on a hot tag fired up, even uh, slips out of a carefully clutch by rushing into the ropes. Nia Jax quote-unquote slips again as she gets into the ring. And then Brooke and Rose both run away from the match Rook, and, and getting counted out, giving both Nia Jax and Shayna Baszler the victory and Dana Brooke and Mandy Rose the loss here by just running away saying, oh, I don't want to compete in this match anymore because Nia Jax looks really mad. So... It makes Mandy Rose and Dana Brooke look dumb. It makes Nia Jax look dumb for slipping into the ring. I look dumb for talking about it. I look dumb for watching it. And I'm losing brain cells even continuing to talk about this Raw tag team, this women's tag team division. I was hoping to talk about it more after WrestleMania, but until they prove to me a reason why I should be talking about it and why we're developing back into 2008 women's or Divas division booking, uh, that's why I will continue to not talk about it because it doesn't deserve the time of day 
to be talked about at this point. Uh, that, that we're falling back into it, and I know the top end looks really good with Bianca Belair and Rhea Ripley. We, we're in a new generation of women's wrestling once again, but this women's tag team division is falling back into a tragic, tragic world of, uh, of women's booking. Moving on, the almighty address. MVP firstly puts over McIntyre for a great match. Uh, questions who can handle the pressure of the Hurt Lock next. And drumroll please, who's going to be the one to do it on the Raw after WrestleMania? Who's going to be the one to enter and say, I can handle the pressure of the Hurt Lock? And it is... Drew McIntyre, once again, <laughs> we, don't, we don't get anybody new. We don't, we don't get any, anyone special there. Um, McIntyre enters. It could have been Lesnar. It could have been Samoa Joe, but they don't enter there. Uh, McIntyre with a solid promo, uh, giving the respect to Lashley for the match, and he knew that it was going to come down to whoever made the mistake first, and sadly, in McIntyre's case, he was the one to make the mistake first. Another person enters, and who is it? Is it someone special? No, it's it's Braun Strowman saying that McIntyre is in the back of the line for the WWE Championship, and rightfully so, given that he lost at WrestleMania. And then another person enters. Who's it going to be? Is it going to be a big surprise? Well, a slight surprise is Randy Orton uh, finding his way back into the WWE title picture. MVP flips out, saying, why is all these people coming out at the same time? And hoping that this builds up to a pinnacle of a person coming out and entering, whether it was Lesnar or Samoa Joe. Sadly, it was neither of them coming out and they would not come out for the rest of the night adam pierce sets up a triple threat match winner faces lashley at wrestlemania backlash i absolutely hate that name just please call it backlash and uh where's samoa joe and or lesnar that's my question where are they this is the raw after wrestlemania we're supposed to get a big return here we're supposed to get something fun but no, I guess we'll stick with the full-timers in this case, which might not be always bad, but, you know, getting Samoa Joe back in the picture, you know, would be nice. Would be nice. I guess uh, the namesake of the next pay-per-view sort of gives everything away. New Day versus Jackson Riker versus, and Elias in a tag team matchup. Woods interrupting an apology song by Elias with uh, the trombone. Kingston and Woods are the only people slash team in the tag team division that actually feuds for something that isn't a title. Uh, they did it with Retribution and now they do it with Elias and Riker. It's very refreshing to see that, hey, not everything is about a championship. Sometimes it's just about having a grudge and having, you know, a legitimate, that's what pro wrestling is about. You know, you don't have to always be fighting for a title. You can be fighting for, you just don't like this other person. So, um, that is something that I wish we saw more in the WWE, as we see in other promotions that they do pretty well. But in WWE, it always has to be about the championship. No, it always has to be about the Raw, uh, you know, the WWE championship. It always has to be about the United States champions. It never can be about a feud, just that two people just genuinely don't like each other. And when, when they do do that, usually it's good stuff. But uh, lately, we've just been a lot of stuff headed towards uh, championships. New Day with a huge dive to the outside. The match starts onto both Riker and Elias. Woods dominated with the ring coming half Kingston enters on a hot tag and New Day pick up the win gotta love it see New Day continuing to roll on as uh, Riker and Elias take the loss here uh, I, I wouldn't say the match was a nothing match but it's good to see the New Day feuding over something that isn't a championship Firefly Funhouse segment with Bray Wyatt making his return to Monday Night Raw Right here in my notes, let's go in big in big uh, capital letters there. Uh, Bray Wyatt is reborn. He says witches be wildin' throughout the segment, talking about uh, uh, Sister Abigail in the 
in the window uh, as uh, Sister Abigail was bleeped out cursing a couple times talking about Alexa Bliss. I'm just glad he's back on TV every time he's on. I just put my notebook down and I watch because I feel like he's something someone I have to give the respect to. Knowing that how well he does his promo segments and well he's able to tell a story, I sort of have to sit down and watch and enjoy what he's saying to me and write down the notes after the fact. Uh, I'm hoping things pan out for him as going forward, not for a title or anything like that. You know, he's not a great champion. He's not a great champion, Bray Wyatt. He's a great transitional champion at that sake. You know, he's done a good job with the Universal Championship and stuff like that before it was a real established. I wouldn't say it wasn't a real established championship, but he's done an okay job with that. He's a good transitional champion. We saw it with the Universal Championship with him uh, taking the belt so it can go on to Roman Reigns and not be able to hurt Braun Strowman because we know WWE loves to protect Braun Strowman at all costs. So he was a good transitional champion in that sake. He doesn't need the belt on him ever. In my head, it's not something that he should ever be fiending for. Uh, no pun intended, but I, I just think a good feud for him would, would do him some service, especially after the wasted six months we saw with him and Randy Orton. I'm hoping going forward, uh, we get some developments with uh, Vince McMahon. We get some developments with Triple H. We get some developments that really get into the inner workings of WWE with Bray Wyatt. And that can work towards SummerSlam. And obviously, that, that these would be more WrestleMania-type matches if we're talking about Triple H coming back into a match. But uh, you, you see the idea with I'm going with here. We're talking about a little bit more than just the surface of having a match with a person just to have a match. I'm talking about getting into the inner workings of the WWE through the Bray Wyatt lens, much like how we did with Cena at WrestleMania 36. Moving on to the main event of the night, Drew McIntyre versus Braun Strowman versus Randy Orton. The winner faces Lashley for the WWE Championship at WrestleMania Backlash. I hate that name, and I will continue to say I hate that name. WrestleMania Backlash is called Backlash. Strowman goes for uh, Strowman Express, but is downed by the steel steps from McIntyre. Orton drops McIntyre on an announce table. Pretty sure Verk hasn't had to deal with that at MLB or outside the lines or anything like that. You don't have people jumping on your desk there. Uh, Brawl continues on the outside, dropping a DDT, uh, a draping DDT from Orton, excuse me. Orton connects with a powered-up RKO where he actually, you know, he does the slurry snake thing. Oh, Randy Orton's a snake, and he pounds the mat, and he actually connects on the RKO to Strowman, but McIntyre connects with a Claymore to stop the pinfall and then pins Orton to win and get his rematch against Lashley at Backlash, and I guess why... That is called Backlash. You know, it's WrestleMania Backlash. You know, you're getting your rematch. Remember, I I, I used to talk about this when I used to write blogs for, uh, not not for Daily DDT, but for another, for another brand. I used to talk about how, well, it, it's called Backlash. We should, should be seeing some rematches from WrestleMania or Money in the Bank, at least. We should be seeing some rematches. And uh, we're finally getting that, but now they're dubbing it WrestleMania Backlash. So you're sort of giving your whole hand away. You're sort of tipping your, your hat there. And, but uh, nonetheless, I thought this was a pretty good match between the, the, the three in this triple threat. It was pretty fun. MVP enters and McIntyre is attacked by T-Bar and Mace. And uh, if it was going to be an attack at the end, it could have been Samoa Joe or Lesnar, but once again, I guess not. And uh, T-Bar and Mace, I'm not sure if they're joining the Hurt Business. I'm not sure if they're now officially a part of the Hurt Business, if they're just assisting MVP in some bidding here or whatever it means. Uh, it could mean that T-Bar and Mace are a part of the Hurt Business and now uh, breaking away from Mustafa Ali and Retribution. So we'll see what happens, and I hope they get their names back at least. Give them, give them their names back. T-Bar and Mace is just, uh, you know, they're, they're past the retribution stuff. Now they can get to be their own person. I feel like that would be helpful for them. 
All right, we're going to get into a quick break, but when we come back, I'm going to be talking about uh, the top commentary booths in pro wrestling today, and also I'm going to give my notes on Adon Verk on how he did on this episode of Monday Night Raw. So stick with us right here on the Daily DDT Podcast. On this day in pro wrestling history, on April 13th, 1997, ECW made its pay-per-view debut with Barely Legal. It was a show that almost never happened. Six months earlier, a video surfaced of mass transit and an incident that occurred uh, on ECW. A then 17-year-old Eric Kulas heavily bled in a match against New Jack. Of course, of all people, New Jack. We all know the story. Kulas claimed to be 19 and was trained by Killer Kowalski. Neither of those were true as he was a 17-year-old and not trained. Uh, Pay-per-view companies expressed their concerns over the incidents and all chose uh, to not uh, air the uh, pay-per-view or carry the pay-per-view originally scheduled for December. Uh, after some things being worked out, worked out and times being shifted, so it was uh, started at 9 p.m. and then the script was given to these pay-per-view companies, so they knew exactly what was going to happen. There wouldn't be any heavy bleeding, of course. So uh, they were able to get their pay-per-view aired, but obviously not in December, and now in April. Uh, the card included uh, some of the ECW favorites like Sabu, Taz, the Dudley Boys, RVD, Terry Funk, Sandman, Stevie Richards, Raven. And it was a start of something special for ECW that lasted for uh, the next uh, three, four years for ECW as one of the biggest uh, promotions next to uh, WWE and WCW at the time, able to run and be the alternative, if you will, to uh, what the major brands were offering and WWE at, and WCW. Moving on to talk about the top commentary booths in pro wrestling today. I'm going to give you a few tiers. I'm going to give you the unknown tier. I'm going to give you a C tier, B tier, and A tiers in all of uh, pro wrestling at the moment. And uh, I'm going to run through the commentary teams that currently stand on the shows. And uh, I'm going to give you my thoughts on each person and why I think that they deserve to be in their ranking spot. So let's start off with the unknown tier at the moment. And both of those are Raw and SmackDown just because it's pretty new now. We're going to see some some change. We don't we haven't even heard what's going to be next for SmackDown yet. SmackDown doesn't even have a color commentator. So we don't we don't know what's next. But let's start off with Raw here. And it's Adam Verk. Corey Graves and Byron Saxton. Let's start off with Adam Verk. I have I wrote down notes here on how I thought he did on his first episode of Monday Night Raw. Obviously, he struggled a little bit, but I think we could all accept that he definitely is a talent and he has the ability to get a lot better. He called pro wrestling much like how a person would call a baseball game. And is that me correlating to himself and him working at MLB Network and doing some baseball work in the past? Of course. But I think he called it in a type of cadence and a type of pace that made it feel like pro wrestling was a baseball game. I need that more. I need more energy there. I need a little bit more. It's pro wrestling. We're talking about a show. It's pop and circumstance. We need all of that. So I needed to see a little bit more from him. And it doesn't seem like he's watched a lot of pro wrestling in the past either I mean he has the basic terminology down he knows what a clothesline is for sure he knows what a suplex is he knows what a body slam is but he doesn't know the minutia I don't think he knows a ton of the storylines as well as we would know the storylines if you know let's say we were going to call a, a, a show for Monday Night Raw we know all the storylines like the back of our hands so 
it would it's a little bit tough for a person to be thrown right into it. And there is a learning curve, of course, but I, I feel like a little bit more due diligence. I wonder how long he knew he was going to have this job prior to getting it. He also sounds like the Mets radio broadcaster, Rain Randazzo, which is a little bit off-putting because I'm not really a big fan of Rain Randazzo. <laughs> so I, I apologize for that and giving him that stigma. And uh, he just, it sounds like it's sort of like a carnival type of aspect thing. I give Adam Burke a ton of credit because he has a fantastic, fantastic vocabulary. He was throwing out words here and there that, that were nice to hear more than just the, the oohs and ahs that he was throwing in as well. He has a really expansive vocabulary, so I, I was happy to see that. And, and if I was giving him a, gray, a grade for uh, what he did on last night's episode of Monday Night Raw, I'd give him an A for effort. And from that standpoint, you can tell he's having an absolute blast calling these matches with the, the guys being thrown over the announce table, being thrown right into his lap pretty much, thrown right into his seat. You can tell he's being thrown right into the fire and he's having so much fun with it. He's just so green and so new to the whole pro wrestling thing. That's going to be tough, for, especially for us, knowing how much we know. He's learning as if we, were, we haven't watched pro wrestling for a couple of years and coming right into it, trying to pick up where you left off. He He's learning like as if he's brand new, which he pretty much is. So I giving I'm giving him the benefit of the doubt. I can tell that he's going to be a great talent for the WWE, especially if he stays for like, the next year or so. I can tell that he's going to do a great job. He just needs to learn. It's a learning curve. So I give him the benefit of the doubt there. A for effort. If, if I'm giving him a true grade for how we did on the episode of of Raw, probably give him a C. You know, like he was there, he messed up a couple things, messed up a couple names, but he had, you know, it was a different take, and it, it was it was quite fun. It was quite fun, and I give I give him a lot of credit for for stepping up to the WWE plate because it's not always easy to do. You know, a lot of people can go and call a football game, a lot of people can go and call a baseball game if you have your board set up and everything uh, ready to go. And from that standpoint, but the years and years and years of history that comes with the WWE and the storylines and all the minutia that comes along with it, it's not like something you can Google or something that you can read an article on for for the baseball, like knowing all the storylines from that standpoint. This is a lot more intrinsic, a lot more deeper than just what's shown on screen. So uh, for him to step up to the plate, I give him a lot of credit and I'm hoping for the best for him. Uh, moving on to Graves and, and Byron Saxton. Uh, I'm a huge fan of Graves and, and I know... Uh, he can hold his own on color commentary and is very formidable enough to read ads. Not sure how well he can do on play-by-play -play, given the assist he was trying to give to Verk on last night's episode of Raw. Uh, it, it's, it's here or there for Corey Graves. I think he did a great job with Michael Cole with the time that he was there on SmackDown and now moving over to Raw, you could see how much they trust him and to be able to hold the hand of Adam Verk going forward. Saxton, he's also a hit or miss for me. I think he does the job well. Sadly, his job is to be comedic relief and that doesn't get over for everyone. I and, and the main reason why I put this grouping in the unknown tier because it was literally made yesterday. It was literally made yesterday to be known. So that's why it's unknown yet. Give it a couple weeks and I'll tell you where they sort of stand. Also, SmackDown. I can't put this one into a tier either as Michael Cole currently doesn't have a color commentator. If WWE is looking for a guy, let me know. I'm free Friday nights. You can hit me up. I can make my way down to South Florida. No problem. You know, I can make my way there. I can run some color with Michael Cole. He's my boy. I know him from way back. Let's just say that. Why not? Uh, we all know Michael Cole. We all have our opinion on Michael Cole. We all know he messed up the call for WrestleMania 37, Bianca Belair. We also know very well that he's been the voice for the WWE for quite some time and has been trusted by Vince for those big spots for those big moments yes was that a big moment that he messed up and the reason why i'm talking about it is because it was so recent yeah i'm gonna have to mention him if i'm gonna talk about michael cole i'm not gonna talk about his big mess up he made at wrestlemania but 
at the end of the day, he's been trusted for a very, very long time. He's been trusted to, to be the voice of WWE. Even when an NFL on Fox does an ad read, he's the one reading it. It's not uh, Joe Buck or anything like that. He's Michael Cole's the one doing the job for it. So uh, I have a couple names of who could be his next color guy. Uh, JBL, they paired really well together in the past. I think they can pair really well together again in the future. Uh, we've seen it at a couple of WrestleManias. And he, he, JBL, Michael Cole, bread and butter. They work really, really well together. And that would be a, a solid, solid grouping for me in, in my in my head, given that JBL is the perfect heel commentator compared to Michael Cole's sort of you know, flatline and trying to stay neutral as much as possible compared to how he was in the past. And I won't even mention that. We can also go Booker T's route. You know, you can go Booker T. It could work. It wouldn't be as good as JBL. And uh, But it's been done in the past. And if you want to do it again, yeah, I guess you could try and do it again. And then here's my favorite one. I, I know I'm going to have a friend that's going to mark out about this because uh, mentioning his name is going to be a fun one. But Peter Rosenberg. I, I know this might sound really, really weird. And he has no leg to stand on when it comes to in-ring stuff. Obviously, he's a former 24-7 champion. And, uh, but you got to realize most of his stuff is coming from a perspective of a fan, from a fan perspective, and, and that's the way he sort of perceives things. So SmackDown wants to go in that direction. I think that could be fun as well. You're bringing on a person that is, is sort of calling the action and, and giving analysts into the action, much like how we would give analysts into the action as a fan would. So I think that would be a fun direction WWE could possibly go in. He's bringing also a journalistic and broadcast uh, qualifications that that really not, no other person really can stand up to. He's been with the ESPN Radio and the Michael K show hot 97 in the morning and uh and also he's been working wwe with the pre-show work all the time i know i know all the three names i mentioned have worked on the pre-show and worked on the pre-show for wrestlemania only name i don't mention is jerry the king lawler because i want him nowhere near the uh, announce table for any way shape or form because his stuff is tired up and, and gone but get a new face in there on commentary peter rosenberg why not why not go for it sing for the moons but if not jbl i'll be more than happy with as well all right, let's move into a C-tier commentary team. I'm going with Impact Wrestling here. Matt Stryker and D'Lo Brown. I always knock Impact because they aren't live and production value still pairs in comparison to shows that are live, pro wrestling shows like Raw, SmackDown, AEW, etc. You know, for them to pale in comparison production value-wise, you're not even a live show. That hurts you a lot. Stryker and D'Lo Brown do a fine job. I never liked how Stryker compares pro wrestling to to a sport or as a sport. I feel like it's insulting my intelligence, but I do like Stryker's ability to relate to the listener at home. Like, oh, go feel the tendon on your ankle and how thin that is. And now imagine pre pressing on it even a little bit hurts and his discomfort. Imagine wrenching on it. Yeah, I feel like he does a good job doing that. And Brown does a fine job as well, but he doesn't add or take anything away from the show. If Matt, if Matt Stryker called Impact Wrestling alone, I feel like the show would be exactly the same. So that's my thoughts on Impact. I, I feel like they're here or there for me. And and the insulting like the match track always tries to compare pro wrestling to a sport. He tries to make pro wrestling a sport. It's not. It, it's it's sports entertainment. It's a show. It's meant to entertain you and not really uh, be looked at in such an analytical light of, of a sport. You know, like baseball, or football, or basketball would be. So uh, that's why I feel. I get a little bit turned off from Impact and turned off from Matt Stryker in that sense. But I always give him credit. Bayside boy, Queens, New York. He gets my love there. He gets my love there. Moving on to a B tier, and I might get yelled at for this one. AEW, if you rearrange this booth a little bit, you're talking about an A tier team. 
uh, but AEW has the right names in the wrong places. I, I, I've tried and tried to accept Excalibur as a solid play-by-play guy, but I just can't. He has so much knowledge, and it's so suppressed by him having to call the action. He knows so much, Excalibur, more than any of us could ever know. He knows more wrestling than... He's forgotten more wrestling than more of us can know, this guy Excalibur. He knows so much stuff, but he can never express it as much as he wants to, given that he has to call the action. He is the perfect perfect color guy Excalibur absolutely perfect and the reason why he's not there is I think is a fear in AEW's part from giving two of the greatest play-by-play guys to ever do it in Jim Ross and Tony Schiavone uh, an opportunity to be these play-by-play guys on AEW Dynamite and they have them stuck in these color commentary roles if it was up to me I'm moving Excalibur over to color hands down without a shadow of a doubt I think he'll be one of the greatest color commentators ever to do it right with all of his knowledge and in an AEW setting not in a WWE setting but an AEW setting where they're not afraid to mention New Japan, not afraid to mention any of the other promotions, given that the Forbidden Door is wide open. He has all this knowledge expansive in the world of all these people that we wouldn't even know about. So Excalibur moving to a color role, give him that opportunity to do that, and then move Shivani to play-by-play. I love to say move Jim Ross to play-by-play, but he doesn't have his fastball anymore, and the new era of pro wrestling I think would be too much for him. If he can do it, great. I just need for him to prove it to me first. And it's funny to even say that, oh, Jim Ross has to prove it, given he's called some of the greatest moments in pro wrestling history. Jim Ross, back in the Attitude Era, in the Ruthless Aggression Era, he's called some of the greatest moments in pro wrestling history. And for him not to, for me to say, now I'll go ahead and prove it again, it might sound like a slap in the face, but in an AEW format, I need to see it from Jim Ross. I know Tony Schiavone can do it, he's done it, before with AEW, he's done through COVID era and things and like that. He, I know for a fact he can do it. So that's why I say just put him on play-by-play, move Excalibur to color, let him speak about all the knowledge that he knows in the world, and let Shivani call the action. There's no problem in that. There's no problem in that. I think that can work out perfectly fine. Moving on to the A tier. I have two A tiers, one that shouldn't be a surprise and one that might be. One A tier, and I hold these almost to the same level, one A tier, NXT, Vic Joseph, Wade Barrett, and Beth Phoenix. This group is just cozy to me. I, I think this group, like, I can give them all a hug. I just love them. They, they, they get they're near and dear to my heart. Uh, Vic Joseph has the perfect energy for NXT, and he has the ability to speak over the performance at a crowd, but still maintain poise in a sense that Mario Ronaldo couldn't really do. In a sense that, yes, he'll get very, very excited, and you put on this whole show, and, you know, he is wrestling it, and he's getting super duper up there, but he's peeking his microphone, and it's kind of getting to me so I, I love Ronaldo and I think he's he's great but I, I I take Vic Joseph over over Ronaldo any time of the day any day of the week Wade Barrett also great energy as well and I think he's absolutely hilarious in my book he has like this type of dry humor or this type of humor that really hits home for me and I think also coming from the NXT perspective he has knowledge of what it means to go through NXT and he's done in the past he was the face of it with the Nexus and he, know, he knows what it means to be that development type of guy and I think he's the perfect face for it and uh, given that he's no longer wrestling and now he, he has this utmost opportunity to really run with it and one of my favorite color commentators all in in pro wrestling at the moment and beth phoenix is great on commentary as well i love her on the table and i loved her even more when she was the type of sideline reporter during matches uh broadcasting remote when she wasn't physically at the commentary table and adding the extra tidbits here and there i thought she did a fantastic job at that every time they needed her for a little something extra boom she gave it to you in a quick uh 15 second thing 20 second birth burst she was giving you all this information it was great i, I think these three together 
are just so cozy. They're so inviting. They, they, they don't want you to look away. They want you to come in. They intrigue you for more. So uh, a match made in heaven. I hope they stay for a long, long time. And now another A tier. And my favorite booth in all of pro wrestling right now. Ring of Honor. Ian Riccoboni and Caprice Coleman. It might sound odd, but this is my favorite booth in all of pro wrestling at the moment. Ian Riccoboni, the best play-by-play man in pro wrestling by far. In my opinion, he's able to hit on every note. His energy is always there. And he, he gives it all to you. He knows his stuff. And for him to be with Ring of Honor for so long and have such an allegiance to Ring of Honor, I'm so surprised he hasn't found his way over to WWE, AEW yet. Because he can do that job better than anybody else. I, Ian Riccoboni, I give him all the credit in the world one of the best if not the best play-by-play broadcasters for pro wrestling today these two are just bread and butter every time i listen to them in the booth and i consider it a privilege uh, that i get to listen to these two because uh, they're, they're perfect perfectly made for ring of honor and i think they'll be perfectly uh, at least ian riccoboni's case and even coleman i think it does a good job for ring of honor but uh riccoboni can move anywhere he can go he can go on raw right now and be uh, one of the best to ever put on a headset for Monday Night Raw. I'm not afraid to say that. Not afraid to say that at all. Rekabani has the stuff, man. All the credit in the world to him. I, I think he's one of the best out there. And I, don't, I think he's underappreciated, Rekabani, as well. Looking on to our next episode. Going on to our NXT review. And it's going to be the first time the Black and Gold brand is going to make its uh, debut on Tuesday nights. Uh, Frankie Monet, a.k.a. Taya Valkyrie, makes her NXT debut coming from Impact Wrestling. Santos Escobar issues an open challenge to the NXT Cruiserweights Championship. Uh, MS- MSK makes their first tag team championship defense against Killing Cross, excuse me, Killian Dane and uh, Drake Maverick. And uh, Leo Leon Ruff versus Isaiah Swerve Scott, and also uh, main. I don't know if this main eventing or if it's going to be a big match. Uh, eight person mixed tag team match with Dexter Loomis, Bronson Reed, Shotzi Bakar, and Ember Moon taking on the way. So it should be fun. A little bit of a shame seeing NXT making their move to Tuesday nights and it'd be the end of the Wednesday Night Wars, but they went out with a bang with NXT Takeover stand and deliver. That's all for me. Remember to get 20% off and free shipping with the code fansided20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com using the code fansided20. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. You can catch this podcast on all your favorite providers. Make sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts so you never miss an episode. And remember, you can ask your smart device to play the Daily DDT Podcast. If you like content like this, check out our writers at dailyddt.com. And if you want to hear more from me, give me a follow on Twitter and Instagram at JadenBeckerTV. I'll see you tomorrow with another episode of the Daily DDT Podcast.